What is God's address? What is God's address? Where does God live? You know, if you, you know how if you go online and you, you search someone's name, you're likely taken to several different databases where it'll show their current address and maybe even some alternate addresses or previous addresses. I was thinking about this week, and so that got me trying to recall all the, the, the street names of the places that I live, you know, Redford Place Drive and Carrington Road and, and uh, um, Mayfield Circle and White Pine Drive and Oregon Street and Oak Valley Lane. If you were to do this imaginatively for God, what would you expect to see listed? Maybe heaven or everywhere? Well, if you were an ancient Jew, you would absolutely expect to see the tabernacle and the temple listed as places where God resided. In fact, the temple would have been seen as a kind of home address for God. But on this day some 2,000 years ago, on this day we call Pentecost, some 2,000 years ago, God added a new address. God changed residences and the temple moved from a building to a people, to you and me. Pentecost is about God's personal presence coming to live in us. That's revolutionary. That's amazing. And that's what we'll unpack this morning. Let us pray together. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, We heard the uh, Pentecost story this morning at the beginning of worship. Our second scripture passage is from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, first letter to the Corinthians, uh, verse uh, 16 and 17. Listen for God's word. Don't you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If someone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person because God's temple is holy, which is what you are. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Don't y'all know that y'all are God's temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in y'all? That's what it should say because the you is plural in the Greek. So we in the South, it works perfect for us, right? Paul, Paul just says this in his letter to the church at Corinth, just like it's, oh, it's like it's assumed. But wait, the temple was a building in Jerusalem. And there would have been Jews gathered in Jerusalem from, from all over for the Feast of Pentecost, which was a feast that celebrated the first fruits of harvest. And if you were in Jerusalem in this time, the biggest thing that you would have seen by far would have been the temple. This magnificent, intricate building was designed by King David, built by King Solomon, and they believed that it was God's dwelling place. It was where people met God. And and at the time of this Pentecost story, though it it had been through several iterations, 
A temple structure had existed there for over 1,000 years. I mean, just think about that. As the very center of Jewish life and identity. It would be like the White House, the national monu- our national monument, the Statue of Liberty, uh, National Cathedral, Wall Street, all in one. All in one. Every part of it was designed to tell a story. Every part of it. It was the place where the scriptures were read. It was the place where sacrifices were made. The whole Jewish world knew that God dwelt there. Now, what you th- I know what you're thinking. Wait, I thought God's home was heaven. Yes, and the whole point of the temple was that it was the place that intersected and overlapped with God's heavenly home. I mean, almost every culture in the world has some kind of notion of a temple, sacred space where human space and divine space intersect and and overlap in some way. And the temple was supposed to point to the fact that all creation was actually God's dwelling place which is what the beginning of Genesis is all about. God dwelling in the midst of God's creation, that's always what God has wanted, which is why the temple was modeled after the garden. And the temple priests were supposed to work and keep it, just like God told Adam and Eve to work and keep the garden. Well, that didn't work very well, and honestly, neither did the temple because of human sin. Israel was conquered, went into exile. The temple was destroyed. But Israel's prophets anticipated the day when God would create a new temple with new priests and God's presence would fill all creation. When Israel returned from exile, they rebuilt the temple, but it was still corrupt. Enter Jesus. Jesus said that God's presence and rule was coming into the world through himself in a new way. Jesus claimed that he was the true temple. He was the place where heaven and earth overlapped and intersected, where people could encounter God. And we see this on display throughout his his ministry. And after his resurrection, right before he ascended, Jesus made this strange and beautiful and amazing promise that, that one day soon, God's spirit, God's personal presence would come upon his followers. Don't y'all know that y'all are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in y'all? Jesus' followers were in the upper room of a house. I mean, hardly the most sacred and, uh, and special and distinguished space in the city of Jerusalem when it happened, when God changed addresses. They weren't at the temple. And yet, in an unmistakable, unforgettable way, it was clear that the presence of God was now with them and in them. Luke tells us that, that suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the sound, and it sounded like the rush of a fierce wind filling the whole house. And then they saw what looked like individual tongues of, uh, of flames of fire alighting on, on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The untamable way, right? The untamable way the coming of the Spirit is described is exciting and it's mysterious and honestly, it's a little bit terrifying. But flames had always signified and signaled God's holy presence. Remember, God appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush, said, this place is holy ground. 
God appeared in a fire on the top of Mount Sinai. That place became holy ground. God appeared as a pillar of fire over the tabernacle when Israel was wandering in the wilderness. That became holy ground. When Solomon completed the temple in Jerusalem, fire from heaven came down and was over the temple. All of these moments signaled God's presence. Holy, sacred ground. All of these uh, marked out temple space, the place where heaven and earth overlapped. And Acts is telling us that this is exactly the same thing that is happening here. Only this time, God's presence is not connected with a place, it's connected with a people. Fire is not over the temple or a mountain, it's over a people. God's presence, God's spirit isn't filling a temple or shrouding a mountain peak, but a people. A people who have become God's new dwelling place. A people who have become sacred space. A people who have attached themselves to Jesus. And if Jesus had been the true place where heaven and earth overlapped, then by extension, God's people, you and I are now where heaven and earth meet. Now, people don't have to go to the temple to find God. The temple goes to where people are. Jesus had already commissioned his disciples to go out, go, to go out into the world and make disciples. So there's a, scent, there's a sense of sentness already planted within them. And this, this missional seed sprouts when the Spirit comes, and they're suddenly given the power and the ability to preach the good news of the gospel in all kinds of different languages. Now they, now we are the means by which others encounter God. Now they, now we are the ones who embody God's presence wherever we go. Now they, now we are the place where the creator of the universe lives. Now they, now we are where people look when they want to see what God is like. Now they, now we can help people experience God's powerful and loving presence for themselves. Do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple? That the Holy Spirit lives in y'all? This amazing truth born out of Pentecost is, is amazing news and it's amazing and challenging call for us today. It's good news because it means that God must really love and trust us a lot. If the incarnation is about celebrating uh, the good news that God came to live among us in the person of Jesus Christ, Pentecost is celebrating the good news that God came to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. God must love and trust us a lot to make us the means by which people experience God's holy presence. God must love and trust us a lot to make us the place where people go to know God. God must love and trust us a lot to make us the mobile temple pointing to God's desire to dwell with all creation. God must love and trust us a lot to embody God's presence in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, our parks, our bars, wherever we live, work, and play. We get to be this. The creator of the universe, the God who saves, the God who numbers the stars, the God who paints in vivid sunsets, the God who defeated death, whose love and power cannot be contained, whose presence fills every space, decided God's personal presence would reside in us. Just think about that. Just stunning. Do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? 
Yes, God, but sometimes we forget. But this beautiful truth of Pentecost should frame our entire spiritual life and calling. It should frame our understanding of what it means to be the church. Because if Pentecost means that we are God's dwelling place, then that means there's an inbuilt communal aspect to following Jesus. Notice the Spirit didn't come upon one person. It came upon a group. Notice that Paul says that you, plural, are a temple. When you attach yourself to Jesus, when I attach myself to Jesus, we attach ourselves to each other. Collectively, we are the temple. We need and depend upon each other. The physical temple was built of many different stones, and the temple God now lives in is comprised of many different people. Even more than this, if God has taken up residence in us, then we are the spot that people meet and encounter God. We are the spot people meet and encounter God. No need to build a temple somewhere. It's us, folks. Whether we're in the hospital room or the playroom, whether we're in the ball field or by the pool this summer, whether we're in our workplace or in our neighborhood, we are supposed to be embodying God's presence in the world. And in moments of joy and in moments of crisis, moments of vulnerability, moments of confusion, moments of uncertainty, moments of crisis, moments of pain, we become for others not just a friend, not just a son, not just a parent, not just a co-worker. We become for them the church. If you go on to Duke's campus, which is where I went to school, it would be easy to look at the chapel and assume Oh, that's the temple. That's, that's where God shows up. Or maybe even Cameron Indoor Stadium. <laughs> I'm sure God is present at Duke Chapel when people gather for worship. But for me, God's dwelling place when I was at Duke was a community of Jesus followers that I was fortunate enough to be a part of. Precisely because I sp- experienced the presence of God in them. Everything about their ministry and life together pointed to God. They were God's temple for me. That's where God dwelt. And that's why I encountered God like I had never encountered God before. And that's where I found who I was. And that's how and why I discerned a call to ministry. Friends, we are God's temple. We're supposed to be the place where people can find and encounter God and discover who God is and what God is like. Can people encounter God and all of God's goodness and glory in us? Are we facilitating that encounter like everything in the temple was designed to do? Do our lives provide access to God? For others, we may not be ornately decorated like the temple with, with beautiful symbols that pointed to God, but we are supposed to be adorned with things like love and joy and hope and justice and kindness and mercy and peace. Everything about our life together, everything that we say, everything that we do should point others to God. We may not have an altar on which to offer sacrifices, but that's because our life is 
Our lives are supposed to be a living sacrifice. Allowing God to transform lives and to draw close to others. Do you all not know that you are God's temple? God's spirit lives in you? Some pretty serious missional implications of God's change of address. If it was through the temple that God reached people, then it means that it's through us that God now reaches people. In the days of Jesus, people would come from far and and wide to encounter God at the Jerusalem temple. Now we are the temple, and we take God's presence to the world. Pentecost makes the revolutionary claim that now people don't come to a temple, the temple comes to them. Instead of making a pilgrimage to a building, now the building takes a trip into the community, into the neighborhood. If you live in a neighborhood, and if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are God's neighborhood temple. You live in a neighborhood, and you're a follower of Jesus, you are God's neighborhood temple. You are the means by which someone else might experience God. You all not know that y'all are God's temple, that God's spirit lives in you? Friends, there, there is no doubt in my mind that we are in a mini Pentecost moment right now as the church. God is is stirring something new. The Spirit is is blowing in our midst, empowering us once again to be God's dwelling place. The church is changing before our eyes. And the temptation will be to preserve the temple. But the danger is that we'll forget the church has always been a people, not an institution, a, a dwelling place for God, not a museum memorializing programs and traditionalism. Pentecost reminds us that, that we are where God lives, and therefore we are supposed to be reaching others with God's loving presence. For so, so long we have been preoccupied with getting people to come to us, and especially, more specifically, to our buildings. That's never what it's been about, especially after Pentecost. Do we not know that we are God's temple? People everywhere are searching for God, hoping to find what they think God will be like in our church, but then experiencing something different from the institution of church. The time is now, friends, for a fresh coming of the Holy Spirit to once again remind us that that we as a people are the means by which someone might just discover that God really is powerful and good and loving and kind and merciful and just and creative and relational so that everybody everywhere might might be able to answer the question, where does God live in resounding fashion? Oh, God lives in God's people. That's where I found God. At Pentecost, God changed addresses. It just so happened to be us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.